Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I never planned to start my own business or go into tech. I just grew so frustrated with how archaic the industry was and what an old boys club it was. You're listening to Women Tech Charge from the Evening Standard with me, Amrie Maffedon. What happens when you mix the real estate world and technology? Can technology ensure that all the folks who work on creating buildings are findable? In this episode, I'm talking to a woman who's done exactly that. She's also working hard to inspire others into something called prop tech. Hard hats on, we're ready to go in. I'm sat here very far from home in London's postcode area W8, opposite a woman who's shaking tables and connecting players in the real estate, built environment and property industry using technology. Her company, Built ID, allows you to find out the teams and people behind any building and will soon be using AR, aka augmented reality, to bring buildings to life. Say hello to Savannah DeSavere, founder of Built ID. Thank you for having me. Welcome, welcome. Um, I kind of did a little bit of it there, but what's the elevator pitch for Built ID? Okay, so the elevator pitch for Belt ID is that we democratise the data and property. So we make it so that you can instantly find out who's behind a building you admire, the architect, the engineer, the interior designer. We have all of them showcasing their projects and their collaborations, which means we have this amazing precedent library. And now what we're looking to do is to leverage that data so that, you know, everyday people in the community can have a real say and a real voice in what gets built in their community. Okay. And this is every building or buildings over a certain square footage or certain budget or so in terms of the sort of buildings we have on there as precedent it's everything from um, your office fit out uh-huh. to the newest skyscraper going up but in terms of the buildings you'll be able to have a say on it's buildings that are being done by developers or by councils in your local community yep. and you'll be able to rather than having to go at you know 6pm on a Wednesday to a town hall style meeting you'll be able to on your own time on your own terms engage and say playground or parking we can't do both which one do you want mm. and you get to actually actively have a choice in what goes up in your environment or which one of these two um exterior claddings do you want yeah. what do you want it to look like these sort of questions you actually get to have a say on which makes so much sense because there's so many especially in london so is london your main your main so we focus across the uk you are across the uk yeah. but especially in london it always winds me up that there's like so many there's always cranes like one of my like my like bugbears is you like go up and I love being high up in London I love being on rooftops or whatever it might be and you go up go up on a rooftop and you've just got like St Paul's crane 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 <laughs> the, the shard crane 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 it's all cranes everywhere but it's annoying because you never know what is going up or why it's going up or who's been asked whether it's a good idea to have yeah exactly I mean our built environment is being changed and shaped constantly and the only people who really get involved are typically you know older middle class retired ex-professionals who have that time and inclination to go to those meetings and I think that 
everyone should have a say. And I think we have, you know, a new generation coming up who are far more socially and politically sort of conscious and motivated who do want to have a say in in the environments they live in but don't want to have to write a letter to the council don't want to have to write a letter to the council yes they're busy sucky to have to write letters exactly or maybe you know english isn't your first language Mm. you shouldn't not be able to engage in what's being built in your community because you don't feel confident enough going to that meeting and and arguing what you want to see in english but you should also be able to tap like on other people's ideas exactly which isn't always it's always a closed process it's always a write your letter and you don't know what other people have written and then like three months later we'll post up what they did and we'll put the notes of the meeting that we had yeah i completely agree i think the most important thing that we're doing in in my opinion is the feedback loop Mm. so you guys voted 72 percent of you and you immediately see how many people voted on the on the sort of topics you've been given Mm. 72 percent of you voted for x this is how we're going to do that Mm. this is how you've influenced our decision or you know 82 percent of you were concerned about why this is how we're going to deal with it. You know, having that sort of feedback loop and that transparency, I think is so important. You do need it, but have you ever had a Boaty McBoatface kind of situation? <laughs> that's why That's why you have to have the questions being sort of pre-controlled. You can't say, what do you want here? And everyone can say, well, you know. I want like a water ride. True. I was, coaster. I was I thinking I just want a like a, you know, a five level McDonald's, but true, that makes more sense. Right. Why has this never been made before? Um, I think, to be honest, when I went into what's often like now called prop tech, it wasn't uh-huh. even a thing. Uh-huh. Like back in 2015, property has just been so slow to adopt that it wasn't even a term. Using tech for them was like, are we going to have automated doors on the garage? Do you know what I mean? Okay. Um, it's sort of 10 years behind fintech because it's an industry where it's been pretty easy to make profits. And it's just traditionally been slow to adopt innovation. I will say, though, so prop tech, two things. One, prop tech is property tech, mm-hmm. I guess, for those listening. Although, what happens when people that make props want to build their own tech industry? <laughs> guess it's going to be a fight name. to the end. It will be. Um, but also, as much as property stuff is seen to be kind of stuffy and closed and old school, um, it's something I often find myself saying out loud. Whenever I have to do anything that's like paperwork-based or signing, like I sign all my documents electronically now, um, and it's one of those things that I, there are so many people who are like, no, 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 you need to print it off, sign it, scan it back in and send it back to us. And I'm always like, I didn't buy my house like that. I was really, really impressed, actually, when I bought my flat. Everything was virtual. Yeah, I think that's the that's the key thing is that resi, like sort of the, the residential sector yeah. for homeowners is definitely ahead of the curve compared to like commercial development or I sort of, see. you know, yeah. building building a tower or something like that yeah. is, is sort of as a second wave of innovation that we're now seeing coming up, which is really exciting because like you said, when you see all those cranes, it is shaping our environment. It, is. it needs it needs to be innovative. It needs to be effective and, you know, built sustainably. It needs to be what the people want. Exactly. As well, which I think often... Yeah, if you keep things closed and you do have eyesores going up as well, which I don't know, maybe it's quite funny because you can then say this is the person responsible for the eyesore. <laughs> maybe it will mean we have fewer shitty buildings around London. I hope so. I hope so. We actually have buildings that, that you know that we want. Yeah. I want someone to innovate the crane. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I don't like the way they look. They really annoy me. Well, I mean, to be fair, you have you have now sort of um, modular construction coming up, which is really exciting for actually not having to have a crane on site for months at a time. Is that the one they do in Grand Designs, where it's like a prefab? Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I love those. They all come from Germany, though, which I don't know. Yeah, and Scandinavia is really big for it as well. The UK is now having a real push to try and develop our own modular construction industry. Yeah. It's like a big agenda in sort of central government okay. because we are way behind other countries and how they do it. But it needs a lot of investment. 
It does. It needs a lot of investment. Um, you do have companies investing in it now, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, there's, you can't just use it for one house. Probably you're, you're probably using it as a professional developer. Okay, so you were not technically originally a techie. I was not. No. What were you doing originally? I was working in property development. So I never planned to start my own business or go into tech. I just grew so frustrated with how <laughs> archaic the industry was did and you, what an old boys club Did you plan to have your own was. season of million dollar property, New York? Um, I was I was really gunning for it, to be honest. <laughs> that's all I wanted. Um, no, so I started working for a property developer in New York and I, I was to start with, I was being made to do a lot of photocopying um, oh, okay. and I read everything I photocopied and I was kind of taken aback by how old school everything was and then as I gradually grew in responsibility and started managing my own property developments there um, I just realized everything is about who you know is what you know yeah it's all about your network and I was lucky enough to work at a property development company where they have a strong reputation and we did have that network but still why am I calling Bob who's gonna call Bill and you know it's all Bobs and Bills yeah um, who's gonna call John Bob, and then Bob I'll the get yeah yep. and then I'll, yeah I really went creative there didn't I <laughs> Um, and eventually you'll get the answer you were looking for. Yeah. Um, there should it should be accessible. It should, and that's really where I came from. Is not only experiencing the frustration myself, but seeing however senior you were in the industry, uh -huh. you were still relying on that little black book, and it was just so inefficient time wise was there a social media platform for those people anyway or is there one there isn't no, no not really I mean LinkedIn is probably where you can is is good for individuals I suppose in in professional contexts. but for the companies themselves there no. really isn't to see and it's all about what you've built isn't it it's yeah. all about what you've created yeah, and there wasn't as good as your last build exactly yeah, which I'm sure you will say in prop tech <laughs> right so how how do you go about building technology for something you know very well so it's interesting because it's something you know very well, but necessarily like the, the tech itself, mm. I didn't know very well. Mm. So the first thing I did was ask enough people, did they think it was a smart idea? Did they feel like they would need it? I really explored the problem before I even started to hone in on what my solution was. Okay. Uh, my first version was more of like a trip advisor. Right. And it took only speaking to a few architects them to be like, yeah, we're not necessarily going to want to be part of this if we're going to get rated because often the relationships get, you know, it's sort sour. of real tense and sour yeah. during. And by the end, you love each other again. Yeah. But you don't want your client going on there and being like, he's useless, he's five weeks behind. Yeah. Um, and so the idea evolved a lot just by speaking to people because I'm young. You know, I started the company when I was 23. By no means did I have all the answers just because I I'd experienced the problem myself. Um, and then finding, you know, someone super smart and amazing to help on the tech side. And that's a lasting relationship. You know, our lead back end developer has we've been working together since well before Bell ID was actually founded. Oh, really? Yeah. Where, where did you find that lead developer? So I actually found him through, I, I met a guy in Vegas who just started a, a company called <laughs> Top Tower. Like the beginning of a great Doesn't show, it? story. He, uh, who, who, he was, um, it was, he's just started a business um, called Top Tower, which connects you with sort of like really good freelancers. Um, and we got chatting, whilst all my friends were partying away, I was that geek in the corner talking, talking about his tech business, which I thought was fascinating. And then we sort of became pen pals, I suppose. And okay. then a few years later, when I founded Built ID, or before I did, I said, look you know I, I need to connect with the best talent that's what you said you have like can you help me and he connected us together and um eventually you know we sort of bought out that contract and now we're we're, we're a proper team um but that's that's how it started it was literally just a fluke meeting in vegas that came to nothing for years um and yeah so everyone needs to go to vegas so to everyone needs stuff. to go to vegas i think that's a good reason as, as any really i am obsessed with property tv shows um like obsessed my whole skybox is full of them at home. I mean, is there anything else to watch? Don't think so. No, exactly. That's it. X Factor Who, I'm a Celeb What. So um, I've recently discovered a whole load of US property shows. Property Brothers really makes me laugh. So their thing is 
um, it's a bit like, is it Sarah Beanie's Half the House for Half the Money? No. Double the house for half the money? Double the house with your money? Something like that. Anyway, <laughs> so it's, it's like Sarah Beanie's one. So they have like a couple who like want to move house or whatever to a different area or a bigger house or whatever it is, um, or a single person. And um, they'll be like, oh, okay, cool. So this is what you want. This is what you want. Okay, this is the area. And then they'll take them to a house. And the couple will be like, oh my God, this is amazing. You said, uh, we said we wanted a range. There's a range there. What? This is in the area. And they'll like literally on a high. And then the property brothers are like, well, Actually, this house is like 50% more than your budget. And they're like, <laughs> oh my God. And it's like the format, every single episode they do it. So I'm always like, how does that couple not know before they apply? And then some of them get really annoyed. <laughs> I would, I'd be like, why are you doing this to me? Literally. I realise there's amazing houses I can't afford. So literally. <laughs> they just like, if you only go up by another 100 grand, you can have this house. I'm like, yeah, no, no, no kidding. The other thing they do have in Property Brothers, which brings us mainly back to you, is they, so after they've shown them the house that they can't afford, mm-hmm. they then take them around loads of houses that they can afford or have like 100K under budget. And then they're like, huh, this house, like the person that lived here, lived here for 60 years and didn't touch anything, but we could knock down this wall and we could change this and we could change that. And then they do, um, and I think Sarah Beanie does it, someone else does it. And then they do like a, animation of like what would happen if you move the walls and move the this and move the whatever and i'm pretty sure it's sarah beanie sarah beanie has like an ipad and actually now does ar and you can see what it would look like yeah ar yeah. is ar is to an extent i'm i'm really torn between ar because it's definitely something that we that we plan to do yeah but and it's, it's not actually hard to do at all it's the technology is all there now it's so easy but it's that line between is it a gimmick yeah. or is it genuinely going to make a difference to your product and it's mm. something that we've spent a lot of time talking about internally at bill's id because it can do amazing things, you know, with BIM models now, which is building information sort of models. You can have these amazing models in it yeah. where you can build essentially the, the structure of the building and you can see where all the pipes, et cetera, are going to yeah. go in the ductwork. Yeah. And then you can get the, um, w- through the AR of your iPad, you can actually see, or even better, the goggles, where all the infrastructure is once the building's built. Yeah. So rather than you having to go into that wall to find where the pipes are, you can see it via can AR in it. real time. Yeah. You can scan it and see it. And that's an incredibly useful application of AR equally for people who you know sometimes you do struggle with vision if you walk into a house which hasn't been done for 60 years being able to see how it could look I think is really powerful but there's other ways in which you wonder is this a gimmick or is it actually going to make a difference in how in in, you know whether whether you can see this I mean a CGI versus going to the expense of doing the AR is it worth it I never know I'm I'm really quite torn on it so AR stands for augmented reality which I don't know if we didn't say but I wonder I think you're right. I think there is gimmick versus not gimmick. And there is the effort as well that goes into building it. Mm. Um, it's funny though, because I think if you, so arguably what you have on Snapchat is AR. Uh, not arguably, like technically what you have on Snapchat <laughs> is AR. And they go to so much effort to like have hearts stick into your face. So you doing that for a building, it probably, like if you just think of Snapchat, anything you're building probably is worth it, right? Yeah, very true. But I suppose it depends. In in property, it's all about you know the return on investment. Yeah, is someone going to pay you for this? Is it going to make an actual difference to their bottom line? Yeah, or to their customer experience, which again affects the bottom line. Yeah. So I think it I think it always is a toss up because in property developers are very nervous. I think about investing in things which 
look cool, sound great, mm. but don't actually have that ROI. Mm. So that's something we're always very conscious of. Um, and I think I think it can make an amazing difference. I think seeing a building lot and hearing what's going to be built there versus being able to get out your phone and being able to see what's going to be built and being able to see it in the real proportions, etc., mm. is really valuable. So the other thing as well that's come up. So AR was one buzzword because you mm. like our buzzwords because why not? And then AI is the other one. So I was at an event a couple of months ago with Len Lease, Cushman Wakefield. Mm. It's really interesting talking to them about AI. And the fact that, so like you talking about, I don't know, holding up the iPad and being able to see inside the wall, um, they're now using AI to help. Um, if you say this is like a, a 500 square foot building with this many floors and da, 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 they're using AI to then predict where that piping would be, which means that someone doesn't have to sit and then choose and do, that the AI just kind of takes data from old buildings and like other layouts, knows what the restrictions are, and then just builds it and does it all. Yeah, it can and be pretty can, incredible. Yeah, and, and then can keep predicting yeah. in two years' time, you're going to have to replace this. Yeah. Or in 18 months, you need to get this done. And, and yeah, it can have huge savings using AI. We're very much in the infancy of AI and property. And every prop tech company now says they're AI enabled. Every but tech I mean, company says they're Who AI isn't enabled. using machine learning? It doesn't, it doesn't make you a machine learning company. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's definitely something which you've got to be careful of because yeah. everyone says they're AI. But I think there are actually really fascinating applications one of them is is in we were talking earlier about construction tech robots are coming in construction yeah at the moment you have like the sam 100 which is like this little robot that lays your bricks for you but you have to feed the bricks and it can only do it in a straight line so it pretty much needs That's factory useful. settings it's useful but it probably takes more time than just laying it yourself yeah i mean i don't know no one hold me to that yeah. but there's something coming called the hadron x which is genuinely it can be used on site it adjusts for inertia for wind for all the different movement and settings what's interesting about that is at the moment you have you have those sort of robots coming and then so you have this very like sort of path driven so you have the one for the for the bricks you have other ones which like on hudson yards in new york they used um robot to demo the site no way and like really. they, it was all remote controlled but i think when it gets really interesting is once you start integrating ai properly into yeah. these machines so they're actually conscious of what's around them they yeah. can see what's going on and adjust in real time like a rumba. exactly it, like a rumba and, yeah. and they can of their own volition they can say okay there's a truck reversing now i need yeah. to stop okay there's some humans crossing i can see that that's looking a bit wobbly let's deal with that because at the moment robots are definitely coming to construction sites but it's when you get ai and they can really independently navigate a site that it gets exciting i mean you could technically have the drone goes ahead and it maps what's what's going on and then it feeds that to a 3d printer of what new you know part is needed yeah and that prints it and then the robot goes and places it and where are the humans being killed yeah being killed by the yeah. demo robot although um construction sites are really like deadly anyway aren't they so there's no real difference that's <laughs> I, don't, I was gonna say that's true and i stopped myself <laughs> I really don't think that's true. <laughs> no, but but certainly, it's always the, like the, a safety thing. Anytime yeah, you like they're always like, be safe, save lives kind of thing. Yeah, and actually that's another really useful application of AR is to help with safety videos and safety yes, training on yes, sites. That yes. is a really good application of it. Which was another thing on the on the list. Um, image recognition and classification can assess video data and can spot almost like um, when you're doing your driving tests, like hazard perceptions. So they're using that now as well to kind of track and see where things yeah, might be going that's wrong. that's really cool. A slightly less life-saving application that we're going to be using image recognition software <laughs> for is that if you see, if like you loved this podcast studio, yeah. you love the design of it, yeah. you could get out your phone and with image recognition software, it would cross-reference it of our database where we have like over 180,000 project images being showcased by the leading talent. Right. And it would say, this is who did it. So if you could yeah. save any image from around the web to your built ID sort of private, 
Pinterest area, basically. Yeah. And we'll be able to cross-reference it and tell you who's behind it. Yeah. It's obviously really important if you're an up-and-coming designer who otherwise people wouldn't be able to discover you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. What is PropTech like? What's the scene? What's the best bit of it? The best bit of it, I think, is that we're now at a time where we're actually starting to make a difference. Genuinely, 18 months ago, the biggest narrative in the industry was, what is prop tech? Yeah. What is prop tech and why do, Why should I care? It's a good place to start. Good place to start. Define it. But um, now we're at a place where, for the property industry, we know what prop tech is and which solutions are going to solve my problems. Yeah. Whilst before it was kind of just like, what is it? Now uh-huh. it's how is it going to solve my problems? And that's a really exciting time to be in an industry when it's it's so young and it's you you can genuinely make a difference. Like yeah. when you said, why hasn't this been done before? I mean, why hasn't it been done before? And mm. it's really exciting to think that I could be involved in building something that genuinely makes collaboration better. Yeah. yeah. Um. And I don't. I don't. I think it, it becomes not necessarily harder because innovation always keeps pushing forward. But I think right now there's the most amazing time to be part of prop tech. And rebuilding it. And um, there's a lot more space for more for more companies to rise up. So anyone listening who thinks they have a great idea or works in property and wants to get involved in prop tech, like there is so much that needs to be... I, I, I'm nervous of the word disrupted because uh-huh. I think it has such negative connotations, but that could be improved and could be streamlined. Uh, have you raised money for your business? I have. And it, it is hell. Uh-huh. I don't think there's any way around that, is okay. it? Talk me through hell. Um, talk you through hell. So the first time I raised money was actually the, the way Built ID started. I was really... Um, I was really lucky to have a mentor who was a property developer, um, a woman who was, you know, there's not many women at the top of New York property game. Uh-huh. And um, she was one of them. And I was actually having dinner with her. And I think she was trying to set me up with her nephew. Right. But um, he just sort of sat there, unfortunately for him, and, and didn't really get much of a word in. I told her about this idea and she was like, I would have used that for the past 30 years. Like, if you can get traction, you can build a prototype. I'll invest. I think my she's like the sort of, you know, the um, managing director, I think the founder of my company will invest. Mm do it you know mm-hmm. let's do it and I went away and I figured out how to build a prototype and it took a long time and just like wireframes and everything to start how with how long did it take 
um longer than it should have months just really just like educating myself and learning about technology and learning what like sort of tech stack i wanted yeah probably at least months. i'd say at least four months four months okay. um That's not too finding bad. the right tech talent um but also just learning how to build everything myself and i'm sure if i could find those original designs i would sort of die of embarrassment teaching put myself them in the museum to your life <laughs> the that museum they make. of yeah. my life um <laughs> the the ui like learning about ui ux design like all these things that you don't realize how much goes into behind the scenes, the yeah. products you use yeah. and, the, and what you look at. Where did you learn all that stuff? The, the wonderful um, University of Google. Ah. A lot of Google. Yeah, I've heard I'm, a lot of I'm a huge, huge fan of Envision. I okay. think that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Sketch, you know, just learning. Yeah. And luckily I did a lot of like sketch, I did a lot of like building, massing and modeling for my job anyway. And so I got a really small, you know, sort of what I call the friends and family round, but they weren't really friends as much as people that I really respected and was kind of scared of and didn't want to let down. Yeah. And um, I spent a lot of time just, I, I got permission from our executive vice president who said, I love the idea. Um, I think it's really exciting and we would want to use this. Mm -hmm. My advice to you is shut your mouth and don't tell anyone because there's someone out there, many people out there who could do this faster and better than you can. And I think it's a really great idea. Um, okay. So, and I think that was really good sort of grounding advice. Um, and so I put the hours in on, you know, the weekends, late at night and eventually got to the point where it was starting to take off. I was starting to gain traction um, and I couldn't do, and I started to gain more responsibility on my day job and mm -hmm. I couldn't do both to the best of my ability. Yeah, I've been there. And that's the moment where you have to sort of yep. make that jump. For so your I didn't, sanity. Exactly. I didn't I didn't make it when I had an exciting idea. I made it when it was like, I can't do both of these. Yeah, I had that. And I moved into sort of my, one of my investors offices and I'm sitting and I'm sitting there. I remember so clearly on my first day and I sat down, I had my new little laptop and I sort of wiggled into my chair and I thought, <laughs> oh my God, what do I do now? I am the master of I my am, destiny. And I have no idea what I should do. And I literally <laughs> sat there and just like genuine for five minutes and I don't shut up. And I literally just sat there being like, <laughs> oh my god and um i eventually called my dad who gave me the best piece of advice that i could that i could ever share and i was like dad like i think it's gonna fail i don't know what i'm doing what the hell am i thinking like i'm 23 and he was like look the reason that i haven't been stressed about what you're doing is firstly you're like just working near the woman that you know is, is invested in you like hopefully she'll rub off a bit he's like okay. i don't know what you're doing i don't really get it and i don't probably <laughs> think it's gonna succeed but it doesn't i know real real real, real talk upper. dad real thanks talk. thanks dad um but he's like but it doesn't matter because what you're doing right now is getting a phd in building a business and it's there true. is mm. only one way you can get that phd mm. he's like you can't learn that in the classroom you can get a phd in business though if you went to you, you can university that wasn't google university <laughs> google university is very good yeah, google, don't judge google it google graduates do all right but what he was what he said is you know in terms of building a business what you can't get in a classroom is the ups and downs, yeah. dealing with those failures, dealing with the knocks, picking yourself back up again. He was like, that's something you can only learn in life. And if you then want to go do an MBA, mm. you know, you write this up as your as your entrance you essay yeah. Yeah. of, you know, I tried, I failed and I learned so much. Mm. And every time it gets really scary and stressful, I think you're getting a PhD in building a business. Mm. And I really, I, that really has stuck with me. Is from that the University of Life? Though, from the University time. of Life, yeah. exactly. And maybe that's what then leads to you getting, you know, one from the University of Real. Yeah. Um, but I think there's there's a lot to be said in that of that as if it fails or if it succeeds, you're gonna have learned so much and there's only way one way you can learn that. Uh, and it's been how many years? It has now been God, three years. Oh wow. Oh, not like yeah, three years. Yeah. But so, so you're still you're like on the cusp now of not being startup, you're in like a real company. 
Oh no, we're still we're still a startup. Although one of my investors, right. I mean, and then we did like a proper round of funding, like proper seed funding later, which just meant cold emailing for me a lot of people. Okay. And finally, I annoyed someone enough that they they did they let me have a twenty second pitch, <laughs> and I didn't actually realize how much of a big deal he was in property. Thank God, not that I hope he doesn't listen to this. Um, I was, I'd have been terrified, and I managed to yeah, I managed to do a good pitch, and he got me in, and from there it snowballed. And um, yeah, I have I have amazing investors who are mentors, and when you know. I don't I don't find being accountable to my investors any sort of sort of um you know impediment for me it's like really? if they don't think I'm on track my god like they have so much experience behind them I should be they listening be. I should be learning okay. um so I feel really lucky in that sense that yeah that's a really fortunate relationship to be in with your investors I think often yeah. it feels like investors become your new boss and I do I do think that yeah the one thing I'd say is I don't think personally, unless you're a billionaire, there's any such thing as being your own boss. Okay. Like my investors are my boss. I think my team is my boss. Like I'm accountable to them. Right. Oh, that's like servant leadership. That's is what it? that's called. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. And yeah. I, I really, I really feel like that. I really feel like a lot of a lot of pressure to the pressure is really not to let people down. Yeah. Who've put their faith and maybe yeah. even their careers in me or their yeah. money behind me or whatever it may be. Um, I definitely feel that way. Yeah. That they've all got rent. We've yeah, they've all got rent. Christmas got... dinners to pay for as well eventually, whenever Christmas might be. Exactly. It is a lot of pressure. Is like step by step, give us the recipe. Okay. Savannah's recipe for built ID success. Okay, so I sat at that desk mm -hmm. and I freaked out. I called my dad. <laughs> he was what turned out to be helpful, but at the time didn't feel that helpful. I then I think I went to the bathroom and cried. Um, I came back from the bathroom and I got on with it and I got stuck in. Yeah. And it took a, it took it, it felt like it took forever because we had to build credibility before we could ever launch something like the community engagement app where we're working with you know sort of the public sector and the private sector. We had to get our reputation out there and that takes a long time to build there's no there's no hack for that no. i mean writing articles and and things like that really helps and speaking at conferences which i hate but is so necessary and important yeah. um definitely helps but it just takes time and it takes forging the right relationships and making sure that you don't rush anything and get it wrong yeah because you know you lose your reputation in an instant and that was london or that was new york so i started off in new york and yeah. then when it got to the stage where i had to start hiring people and i was you know it was really picking up traction at sort of our pre-launch in mm -hmm. the uk just by really a coincidence i met one amazing architect who said this is the architects journal 100 top architectural practices i know sort of 70 percent of the of the you know people here mm -hmm. I'll introduce you to them. And so it really started, I was getting up, you know, at god awful hours to, to try and speak to people in London. I kind of wanted to move home anyway. And mm -hmm. then PyLabs, which is sort of a prop tech accelerator, mm -hmm. got in touch and said, look, we'd like to have you in it. We think you'd be a good fit. And it just felt like everything was aligning to launch it back in London. And for anyone that doesn't know, what's an accelerator? An accelerator is um, when normally a, a venture capital fund has you sort of hosted in their space and they give you sort of mentoring time and they give you um, sort of um, workshops and things like that. And in return, they take equity or they take a warrant, which gives them the right to invest at a, a discount. Equity is like the dragon's den of like, you give me this exactly and i'll give you that money exactly um and there's definitely a lot to be said for the warrants as well which just means they get a discount on whatever you're valued at when you next raise okay um and for me it wasn't really about like the the workshops and marketing and things like that which mm -hmm. were helpful for me it was the mentors that they introduced me to mm -hmm. are now what i have is lifelong friendships and they still help me every day those people and you know i was with two of them last week for two different coffees just checking in and People want to help and want to want to help you, I think, in general, if they can. How many mentors do you have? Ooh, um, ones that I would, you know, sort of have on speed off, I'm freaking out, I'd say probably seven. 
Okay. And how did you find them? So PyLabs, PyLabs was a big help for yeah. a few of them. Yeah. I found them through PyLabs. Um, they sort of did like basically like the speed dating and a couple of them oh, just yeah. were really gelled and stuck. Yeah. Um, some of them are people that like I've met at events and I've been like, you're amazing. Do you mind if we have a coffee? And I go in there with no agenda, wanting nothing from it. And there's a lot to be said for, even if secretly you do want something, there's a lot to be said for just valuing someone's time and wanting their input and wisdom. Yeah. People respond really well to that. And then you arrange another one a few months later and it, it sort of takes off from there. Who's, who's helped you the most on your journey? Ooh, um... I think it's 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 half the people that have, like I say some some you know my investors mm-hmm. um, just for their guidance and their tough love as much as as their mentorship, and then I think it can be random people. You know, I was at a, a sort of a, a women and property dinner, and there was um, a male speaker, someone um, called Dave Montague, who runs L and Q Housing Association, mm-hmm. and it was just this real pivotal moment for me when. It was one of the first times I'd heard a sort of a leading figure in the industry talk about what they saw as like the legacy they wanted and what they wanted to achieve. And it really was making the world a better place. Mm. It really was leaving it, the affordable housing crisis, in a better state than it is now. And just truly believing that that he that he believed that. That is genuinely what was motivating him. Mm. And meeting someone who was even more proud of his wife and the work that I think she worked with... Um, Maybe, maybe with um, disadvantaged kids, I think it was. Um, and how he, he thought her work was obviously so much more important than his, even though he's running a you know, multi-billion pound company, I assume. Um, I was so, it was the first time I've been starstruck. I've really been like, <laughs> I was sitting next to him afterwards and I was a little bit tongue-tied and like very <laughs> self-conscious and I don't really get that way. Um, and just, yeah, it could be a pass. I've never, I've never met him again. It was a passing meeting. Yeah. And he's really stuck with me of being like, damn, like that's the sort of, that's the sort of company I want to one day be amongst. Often, I am the only young black female from Nan- uh, from East London who loves Nando's in a room um, of a court, a committee meetings or board meetings or whatever it might be. I imagine for you, even just in property space, not even necessarily prop tech, you are often the only young black woman from East London who loves Nando's. <laughs> <laughs> it is a struggle for me. <laughs> um, firstly, I was going to say, you need to come by our office on Wednesdays. We have Nando Wednesdays often. Do you where really? Where we order Nando's. No, um, and the company pays for it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm coming to work for you on yeah. Wednesdays I mean, we're based only. in Oval, so you have to give some sort of reward. Oh, you know, There's not many options around. Ah. Yeah, I know. But we do get a lot of Nando's to that office. Um, so <laughs> that's that, I, 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 that was the most important question obviously <laughs> it was. is that I don't have to deal with my Nando loving everyone I only hire people who like Nando's um, but no obviously criteria. property is a very male dominated industry and I'd say 90% of the time I'm one if at most one of two women in the room mm-hmm. and especially as a young woman yeah there was definitely early on and I think I read something actually that you said before which is sometimes I didn't feel like I was being taken seriously but it's hard to pinpoint why that is yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's been less. I, I mean, it's been less of a challenge than I thought it would be because I think as long as in your mind you're not paying attention to it, and uh-huh. I'm not that observant, yeah. um, you don't watch that that eyes flicking together or them looking you up and down and thinking, oh, you know, what's she doing here? Then you can get through it. But certainly, I think how much I notice when there are when there is more than one woman in the room and when she's not bringing in the tea. Uh-huh. I'm like, wow, okay, this is unusual. That's the only time I really notice it and think, God, how depressing that I think of that as unusual when there's like a female decision maker I'm speaking with. Have you noticed it changing 
over the the time that you've been running Built ID, you have definitely. And there's now people that when I first started out, we didn't have any credibility. Who, by the way, there was a lot of men who really championed us and really helped me get ahead. Mm-hmm. But there was and others who the enemy. clearly, yeah, who clearly didn't take take it seriously. Mm. And now they're emailing me, wanting me to come in, wanting me to present to their and teams. And you're charging them double. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, and I now take a fee for presenting. <laughs> no, I like obviously like run to get there, but I run to get there with a bit of indignation and a bit yeah. of like you know a bit of in my head. I'm a bit like, yeah, now now you want to talk now that you know people know about the company look at but, me now hey, yeah look at me now but please please still use it um, <laughs> um but certainly i think it is it is one of those things but how much i notice when that's not the case yeah really like I, there's this thing called mipim which is this big property conference in Cannes, and genuinely it's just a sea of white men in suits mm-hmm. it's like it's like a, it's like an overflowing fountain of them mm-hmm. and it is exhausting it really, it really is. Um, never mind, you know, sort of the the challenges of like harassment or something like that. Yeah. It is exhausting, but equally, I'm the only way it changes if more women come into the industry and if more just people who are diverse in general. Was it different in New York? No, no. If anything, was it, it worse? was worse. Yeah. yeah, in New York, and you, you know, there's it's a very male-dominated society. And I think because that was when I was at my youngest. You know, you do have meetings where I remember doing a presentation once to someone very senior um, at a property development company, and. He in, he was he, he I was doing a presentation on screen and he's literally just staring at me and staring at me and he interrupts me halfway through a sentence and he goes how old are you and I'm like oh I'm I'm 23 and he goes my son's 27 you guys should meet you would really get on and I'm like <sighs> and I mean he's not you know it's, it's it's nothing it's nothing it's not it's not something I can be like excuse me sir don't objectify him do you know what I mean but it was just like well, okay. don't proposition me for your son but I'm like um we're not in your in, living room I think I went like is he in property and he went. No, but you'd get on. And I was like, <laughs> right. So now I just know the rest of this meeting is pointless because you haven't listened to a word I've no. said. And just things like that. Like I, but I, again, like I'm sure there's there's many people in property. Many women have proper horror stories. But equally, I really want to stress it's not all bad. There's a lot of people there who are great and will champion you and do want diversity. And it only changes the more people from diverse backgrounds come in. Like yes, there's a lot of you know sort of people from privileged backgrounds. And it's going to be, and there's there's an uphill battle for for people from more diverse backgrounds. But equally, like you can only make it better. So we often say, or there's a there's a thing that I'm we always wonder, like it, what would happen if women did that or built that or whatever. Like the washing machine is always mm. one where it's like women didn't make the washing machine because there's all these knobs that just don't really <laughs> do anything. Is there anything you've seen where you'd be like, hmm, that building, hmm, there's like a big gap in their thinking? I think I see it not so much gender wise, but just in general now that building you know your space as a service is, is kind of what it's coined in the industry the idea that it has to be an experience mm-hmm. that you have to have something that people want to enjoy when you have such a small demographic of society trying to guess what everyone else wants I think you do think hmm if you just had okay. a more diverse workforce mm-hmm. and you'd have you'd, you'd be able to build things that everyone actually wants because mm-hmm. that's what you need you need the customers mm-hmm. you know it's no longer tenants it's now customers who have to want to be in that space thanks to technology mm-hmm. um Equally, I don't think you can put all that on property. I don't think you can put that on the industry because, like I said, I'm trying to hire and most people who apply are white men. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to hire the best candidates who present themselves. And when the only candidates presenting themselves are white men, you're going to hire There's white men. So, much you can do. Um, so I think it, it's, it's, it's a tricky one. But I do. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think that we would build better places if more people who are going to be using them were helping inform those design decisions. About yeah, the buildings themselves. exactly. So you're three years in. Mm-hmm. Where are we at? Where are we at? We are finally we're at quite an exciting tipping point. Mm-hmm. We're at a stage where we're about to launch a really exciting new tool, but I think we're also in like a little sliver of golden age mm-hmm. because we've got the credibility in the industry to an extent now. Um, we have an idea that everyone loves, but mm-hmm. we haven't rolled 
that idea out. Okay. So you haven't had to prove it works, no. which obviously is a whole new challenge. There's one thing coming up with a great idea. There's another one building it. Yes, there's another one delivering it. Yes. Um, so I always say to my team, like, enjoy this moment because mm. calm it being launched. <laughs> all hell is going to break loose. the calm yeah. before the storm. Exactly. It's the calm before the storm. And so I'm kind of relishing that moment because okay. one thing I've learned over the past three years is I don't relish the moments enough. I never. And I think that really translates to your team, like the small victories or even the big victories. I'm like, cool, but we have to do this now. Mm. And I think that really translates to, to how you're, you need to reward, even if you can't internally feel, okay, we've achieved something exciting here. Let's take a moment to reflect. You have to pretend to feel that mm. for your on employees, your on your behalf of your team, because yeah. I'm not very good at that. I'm always like, okay, but there's still so much more to achieve. Yeah. And I, I that's not that's not okay. And that's something that I need to work on. I think, I'm, as I'm boss. pretty rubbish at that as well. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. I'm always like, yeah, we've got to do the next thing. Like the award or the high point is fine, mm. but we have to work to do the next exactly. thing. Exactly. It never feels like enough. Yeah. How many people do you have in your team? So there's 10 of us in the team. So yeah. it's a really nice small team. Including you. Including me. Okay. Um, so it's a really nice small team at the moment. Yeah. Um, and we are going to be hiring at least another three people in like the coming Shout quarter. Shout out to those of you that want to come and join the yeah. party. Um, which, is, which is exciting. And I think, yeah, company culture is like a big, everyone says company culture, like what does it even mean? <laughs> but it's, it's really weird how it really does develop and you, and you, and you, you know what it is to like be one of you. Yeah. And rather, rather than what, what, what's not, it's like, you're driven Top you're down. passionate yeah. yeah like you you want you have ideas and you're not afraid to speak your mind mm. you're not afraid to like challenge you know other people in the room but you come with answers not just problems yeah yeah it's, it's really exciting to feel that culture sort of and we and we have fun and we're all a bit like geeky and we're all kind of like rude to each other okay. but in a really nice banter. supportive way inclusive yeah. banter inclusive banter you also have mostly men. it's just at me actually and is there any advice that you'd give to aspiring prop techers um, slash techers slash people I would give the advice that my dad gave to me but I'm slightly twisted rather than saying I don't believe in your idea I'm going to say <laughs> it doesn't matter if people believe in your idea it doesn't all that matters is that you are going to be getting an incredible experience whether it succeeds or fails in how to build a business and you're going to learn so much along the way um, so don't be scared to take that leap um, that would probably be also I just I think I still desperately need advice myself so I feel a bit of a hypocrite giving any other advice to people I will give you advice which Ooh, is similar do. to your advice which is which might be use, useless for you because it's similar um, my thing is always if the career move isn't fatal then it's not a bad career move oh I like that yeah because people get so caught up in oh my gosh what if, what if this what if that and I'm like look unless you die as a result of that decision <laughs> then it's okay because you'll live you'll learn you might not make that mistake again even if you do you know, once bitten, twice shy. Yeah. Also, I recently had a couple of friends who'd started a, um, a consumer tech startup and mm -hmm. sadly it failed and it like, you know, properly, fully failed. Mm -hmm. um, and they've just got amazing jobs at like VCs and at consultancy firms because the experience they gained mm. failing mm. is really valuable. So that's something that's definitely given me quite a lot of heart is that they now have killer jobs and it was a risk worth taking. Mm. Um, Failure is a big part of success. Huge, yeah. And I think the other thing I would say is just Focus on your problem. Mm. I spend a lot of time just making sure that we are properly solving an a problem actual, a rather than problem. just something that I think is, is fun and cool to do. Yeah, This um, is true. This is good. That's how you change the world. That's mostly advice I'm like giving myself every yeah. day. I don't, I'm really not <laughs> in a position to give anyone else advice yet. Thanks for joining me, Savannah. All the best with Built ID. Thank you so much for having me. Subscribe to Women Tech Charge on Apple Podcasts and it would really help us if you rated and reviewed the podcast. 
Savannah DeSavre noticed some archaic things whilst working in real estate in New York. She's created Built ID to modernise building information from architects to developers to contractors and will shortly be using augmented reality to make an even bigger impact in the commercial building space. She loves the TV show Escape to the Country and can't wait for more people to join her in the prop tech space. The opportunities therein abound. You can follow her on Twitter and Insta at SDSavare and find out more about Built ID by going to Twitter and Insta and searching for Built underscore ID. For the latest news, sports, entertainment and more audio content, visit standard.co.uk. We're Evening Standard on Twitter and on Insta it's evening.standard. I and Marie live on Twitter at AMAphidon, good luck spelling that, and on Instagram at notyouraverageami, which is a little bit easier to spell. Get in touch, have a chat, ask questions using the hashtag WomenTechCharge. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.